Welcome to the Hands Up, Don't Shoot podcast, where I, your host, Ashley France Howell, tell the stories of Black victims of police brutality. Today, I'll be telling the stories of Brendan Glenn and Dion Flood. Brendan Kyle Glenn was born on July 24, 1985, in Miami Beach, Florida. His parents were Sherry and Clifton Glenn. His mother ended up remarrying while Brendan was younger, and his stepfather's name was Anthony Camprone. Brendan attended Tamarack High School, but later attended and graduated from Troy High School. He made many friends during his time in school, and he was always known for being kind to people. Brendan loved sports and was an athlete at heart. He enjoyed snowboarding, skateboarding, swimming, and hockey. Brendan also had a passion for technology and could probably fix just about any electronic device. He really enjoyed traveling as well. His first trip was to Troy, New York. He then traveled to California to visit his friend, Nicholas Shapisi, the son of Chef Larry Shapisi. And although Brandon seemed to be on the up and up, somehow Brendan ended up homeless. On Tuesday, May 5th, 2015, at 11.20 p.m., a bartender at the Bank of Venice restaurant in Venice, California, called 911. The bartender wanted police to come because... They said that a man, who we now know as Brendan, was being, quote, loud and obnoxious at the bar, and he was refusing to leave. And Brendan also had a dog with him. The responding officers were Officer Clifford Proctor and Officer Jonathan Kawahara. When they arrived, they found four people standing outside of the bar blocking the sidewalk and one of those people was Brendan. Officer Proctor told them that they were blocking the sidewalk and that they needed to leave. So, all of the people left except for Brendan. He and the dog were just a few feet away from Officer Proctor who said, quote, Hey, don't bring your fucking dog here. Don't come over here with your dog or I will shoot your dog. I don't need to talk to you. Just grab your stuff and go. End quote. Brendan then handed his dog over to another person, walked back towards Officer Proctor, and yelled, Don't be threatening my dog. It was obvious that he was pretty drunk. His speech was slurred, and he couldn't really walk or stand up straight. Officer Kawahara kept telling Brendan to back up and stay where he was and Officer Proctor eventually calmed Brendan down. So then Brendan began to walk towards another restaurant just a few doors down from the Bank of Venice restaurant. And since he left the area like the officers told him to, he wasn't arrested. It seemed that all was good, but it wasn't. Just a few minutes later, the officers see Brendan in some kind of altercation with a bouncer from the other restaurant. And officers Proctor and Kawahara tried to get into the altercation 
to arrest Brendan. And there was a struggle because apparently Brendan had resisted. So the officers put Brendan on the ground and they were kneeling on his back when he pushed up and knocked Officer Proctor off of him. And at some point during this altercation, Officer Proctor uh, sustained a knee injury and that eventually put him out of work for about two months. And since Officer Proctor was injured, Brandon was able to shift and knock Officer Kawahara off balance. So at this time, Officer Proctor pulls out his gun and fires two shots into Brandon. And he was killed instantly. Brendan was 29 years old. So we learn that there's about 27 seconds between the time that the officers make contact with Brendan and then the time that the shot was fired. So after the shooting, Officer Proctor tried doing life-saving measures for Brendan and then other officers came in to help. And one wild thing that happened was that while this altercation was going on, Brendan had actually pocket-dialed his mother, and she said, quote, My son was calling me, and he pocket-dialed me. I heard it. I heard the shots. End quote. I also learned that officers Proctor and Kawahara had been partners for only about two weeks before this happened. And immediately after the shooting, Officer Kawahara said that he didn't know why Officer Proctor had shot Brendan. Both of the officers were placed on administrative leave right after the shooting, and Officer Proctor ended up resigning. In March of 2018, the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office announced that they would not file criminal charges against Officer Proctor, stating, quote, After an independent and thorough review of all the evidence in this case, we cannot prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Officer Proctor did not act within the law. End quote. They believed that his use of force was deemed necessary. Like I always mention, we know that money can never bring back a person's loved one, but in this case, the city of Los Angeles awarded a $4 million settlement to Brendan's mother, and that happened in 2016. And that family was the story of Brandon Glenn. Now I'm going to tell you the story of Dion Flood. Now, this story that I'm about to tell you is a wild one. When I was reading up on it and learned what happened to Dion, I was floored. So here goes. Dion Flood was born in 1996 and he was the middle of five children. His parents were Karen Flood and Michael Flood. 
he was raised in the Red Hooks projects of Brooklyn, New York, and attended Sunset Park High School and Parkside Academy in Brooklyn. He wanted to become a professional basketball player. His mother said, quote, I told each of my kids, you're going to go to college, you're going to go to school and have a big, wonderful life, end quote. Dion was a really good student and took his schooling seriously, and that all changed when he started high school. In May 2012, Dion had ended up getting a a charge for possession of marijuana. He was stopped by a cop, and this happened a few months after his father died from cancer, right on the couch in front of him. And he had actually told his ninth grade English teacher that he had been locked up. And this sort of started Dion's downward spiral when it came to interactions with the police. In March 2013, Dion was arrested for not paying his subway fare. And then a month later, he and his 13-year-old sister were being kids and wrestling over cookies and milk in the apartment when their mom was out doing some shopping. So Dion ended up picking up his sister and body slamming her, which his mother later called a wrestling move and his sister ended up calling the police. So they arrived shortly after her call and told Dion's little sister to sign a report that would result in charges against Dion. She said she didn't want her brother to be arrested, but the officers pretty much intimidated her into signing it. And by May 5th, Dion had to attend court-mandated anger management classes and do community service while he was on probation. A judge told him that if he had messed up again, he would face jail time and be charged as an adult. On the evening of May 5, 2013, Dion and his girlfriend, Hesha Sanchez, had been stopped by some NYPD officers at the Rockaway subway train station. Hesha left her metro card at home, but she wasn't going to ride the train. She was only going to stay with Dion until his train got there. So they used Dion's card, and they both squeezed through the turnstile together. They didn't see the officers that were hiding inside a trash room because one of the officers had already arrested a man earlier that evening for fare evasion. So they just sort of did a a bit of a stakeout to see if they could get more people that were evading their fares. So the officers had suspected them of fare evasion and demanded that they provide proof of identification. They showed their IDs and then tried to explain that Hesha wasn't riding the train. She was just going to hang out with him until his train came and she was going to leave. But they were still placed in handcuffs, and Dion realized that he was still on probation, and so he ran away because he didn't want to go to jail. The officers did end up chasing him, 
and Dion made it to the end of the platform and not really knowing what else to do, he jumped down on the train tracks and started to run to the next platform. The officers called their sergeant and they were instructed to not chase Dion anymore since he was on the train tracks. Now, according to NYPD, Dion was hit by a passing train as he was running down the tracks. And he did survive. So Dion made it to the hospital and the next day the doctors had declared him a quadriplegic. He was paralyzed from the neck down. So one thing that I want to mention is that I can't see a 16-year-old surviving being hit by a train. I mean, honestly, I really can't see anyone surviving being hit by a train. So when Dion arrived at the hospital, a doctor noted that his only visible injuries were a laceration along his elbow and a wound on the back of his head. Now, if you're hit by a train, I'm pretty sure you're going to get more injuries than that. They did a further examination and it showed that Dion had, quote, an acute depressed open skull fracture, end quote. He also had two spinal fractures and bruising across his upper back and buttocks. He also had bruising on his right shoulder, on his hip, on his calf, and on his knee. Dion did wake up and he realized he was cuffed to his bed. So when he woke up, he talked to his family and he told them that he actually was not hit by a train and he made it to the next platform, which was about a half a mile away. He said that once he got up from the tunnel at the station, another officer hit him on the back of the head with a flashlight. They said, quote, oh, you going to be running? We're going to make sure your ass don't run again, end quote. The police then stomped on his back and carried his body inside of the tunnel. Then they placed his body on the train tracks. Dion was in the hospital for about two more months after being admitted. And remember, he was considered quadriplegic, but he was still handcuffed to his bed. On July 10th, 2013, Dion was transferred to a rehabilitation center in Far Rockaway. But on July 12th, 2013, he died of cardiac arrest because of his paralysis. Dion was 16 years old. Dion's family had filed requests to get surveillance footage from the platforms, but they were not able to obtain any type of evidence of what happened. Internal Affairs said they interviewed Richard Mascow, who was operating a train at that time. He said that he hit Dion when Dion started to cross the tracks from the right to the left, which means that Dion would have been struck on his left side. But 
Medical reports show that he was only bruised on the right side of his body. So I'm just sort of wondering what's going on there. They never spoke with Dion and they never interviewed any witnesses at the station where Dion was hurt. On May 8th of 2013, which was less than 72 hours after the incident, they closed the investigation and none of the officers were charged. They were just given warnings for leaving their posts without notifying their supervisors and failing to document what happened in their memo books. On the other hand, Dion had been charged with fair evasion. In 2014, Karen, Dion's mom, had sued the city of New York. The NYPD, the two officers that stopped Dion on the second platform, and their lieutenant. The case is still ongoing. And that family was the story of Dion Flood. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for HUDSPOD. And you can support the show by going to buymeacoffee.com slash HUDSPOD. Remember, HUDSPOD is spelled H-U-D-S-P-O-D. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you get the latest episodes. And if you don't mind, please leave me a five-star review. Stay safe, and I'll see you next week.